everybody. This is Hop Culture. We're the Hopkins sisters, Claire, Grace, Anne, and Tess, four sisters living in different time zones, recapping our lives, giving each other unsolicited advice, and hopefully giving you a laugh in the process. Who knows, if you stick around, we might even touch on something substantial along the way. Hi, everyone. Hey. Hello. As we mentioned in our last episode, Grace is in the process of moving into her new house this week, which is super fun. But we are short a sister again this week. So our cousin Emma Foster is here today to talk with us about health and wellness since she is a health coach and one of the healthiest people I know. Um, So welcome, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. As I mentioned, Emma is a health coach and she's taking the national board exam for health and wellness coaching next week, which is so exciting. And we thought it would be fun to have her on and pose some of our most pressing questions to her. So Emma, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about what you studied in college and what a health coach does and kind of your journey? Yeah, for sure. So I went to BYU in Provo and got a degree in public health. I didn't super know like right away what I wanted to do out of school, but I was kind of interested in health coaching, so I looked at some programs, and I found one called Dr. Sears Wellness Institute, and was super interested in that, so I started with that one and did a few courses through them, and then the last advanced training qualified me for to take the exam, so I've been studying for that. That's next Tuesday, and then... Why I got interested in it, I think, is because it kind of hits everything that I am interested in, where I like to teach people about health. I like health itself, like all of the science. And then I like to talk one-on-one with people and help them. Um, So it was just kind of a perfect fit for me. And so that's just the way that I've been going so far. And so it's been a good journey. That's That's awesome. awesome. So... Does a health coach usually work, like, are you working with, like, a group of clients or one-on-one with people, or do you work for, like, a company that employs you to help their employees, or, like, what's the work setting usually like? Yeah, honestly, you can do any of those. That's why it's kind of fun is you can choose to do your own, like, individual coaching with people, or you could work with another coach and just be, like, an assistant coach, or you can work at a wellness company. So there's a lot of options. We kind of learned everything, all the different venues in our school, and then it just kind of, like, you get to choose what you feel fits you best. And then from there, sometimes people get more certifications if they're interested in like women's health, for example, or like special populations. Cool. What's a situation where someone would decide to work with a health coach? Because I mean, I know about like personal trainers or maybe like working with a nutritionist, but what would be a situation where people would seek out the help of a health coach? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it is kind of confusing with all the different types of, like you said, what nutritionist and trainer and stuff. And so uh, the difference is like, so a nutritionist can create meal plans and help treat diseases with their meal plans. And then personal trainers have specific things that they want you to do at the gym for your goals. But a health coach is kind of just more of a broad person who can help you with any of your health goals. And one other thing is that we can't prescribe or diagnose or treat. And so we usually work with other professionals in their network 
to be another support system for them to be healthier. And so basically anyone who wants to create health goals and have someone, you know, be accountable to them, I think that definitely helps with their goals. And usually, I mean, it just can be basically anyone, anyone who really does want to actually change though, because health coaches will push you and ask you questions and get you motivated. But if you don't want to change, then it's kind of hard to start from that spot. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't submit our dad to you and make him go to <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <be> too mean. <laughs> uh, so is that what motivational interviewing is? Because I know I've seen you reading tons of books about that. And <laughs> I know it's a big part of the, the field, but I don't know what that is. Is that kind of what you do? Like, explain it. <laughs> yeah, motivational interviewing, I learned it at BYU and then it just never went away. Um, it's actually really cool, though, because it's basically just asking questions in a way that help people discover things for themselves. And it also helps them find their own, the motivation within themselves rather than having us just be like, oh, you need to, you need to do this because you need to be healthier. It's more of like, mm -hmm. for example, if someone was smoking, it's like we would ask, how would your life be different if you didn't smoke? And then they would come up with their own reasons of like, I could use that money to pay for maybe a vacation or, you know, so it's just more of like getting them to figure out why they want to change and asking certain questions to evoke those changes. So you are kind of like the accountability factor for people because I feel like that's what mom does for us. Like if we say <laughs> we want to do something, not necessarily health related. Yeah. If, for example, if I'm like, <laughs> like she's here visiting, helping Grace move in and it has been so fun. But I mentioned like, oh, I want to get my porch cute for fall. And, you know, but it's like, was I really going to do it? It was more just like a wishy-washy. I was like, oh, that would be nice. And then today she's like, okay, so I've researched the best places to get mums. And she's like, pumpkins, pumpkins, pumpkins. And she's like, where are you going to get small pumpkins to fill oh in the big God. ones? Like, so it's like you need someone to like you say you want to do something and then you need someone to help along the way. Yeah, I think we all do that. I feel like there's so many things that I... I'm like, I would love to get better at this and get better at this. But I think that I don't really spend the time. I don't stay accountable to anyone. And I also don't ever really spend the time like figuring out why I want to do that and what mm -hmm. my real end goal is. So it sounds like that would be really helpful, not just for people who are really struggling with health problems, but just for the average person who feels like they're not meeting their personal goals. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. We even learn about with the accountability, we have them check in with us. We make specific SMART goals, very small, achievable goals. And then they come back to us and we always hold like empathy and hold space for them if they don't, you know, meet exactly their goal. But our job is to be able to be like, hey, look at what you have done and then move from there and be like, so this week, let's try to do this. And I think accountability is always whenever I would coach people, I would ask what's been good about health coaching for you. And they almost every single person said accountability. I just think that's the nature of it. If we have someone to talk to about it, we are more likely to end up doing what we want to. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Well, it probably helps that you're not someone that they're around every day. You're not like their family member or their friend because it's probably harder to be honest and open with someone who knows you really well because you're like worried they might be disappointed or whatever. I don't know. I get annoyed sometimes that family members telling me like you had a goal to do this. Like, are you doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, but if I actually mm-hmm. had like a outside person that I had hired to do that, then I feel like I would be a little more receptive to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what you said about the motivational interviewing too, because that kind of reminds me of what we talked about in our episode about priorities, where sometimes the toughest part is just identifying what is really important to you and what you want to focus on. Like we all probably, if you asked us point blank, like, do you want to be healthier? It's like, yeah, you know, but really getting down to what are your goals? What would change in your life if you made these changes? And, you know, what goals are going to motivate you? It reminds me of there was a tabled podcast episode when we very first started about meditating. You guys remember that? It was episode like seven or something. we never released that? We never released it, partly because half of us never meditated. Oh, no. <laughs> what? We all knew that it was something we should do. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard meditation is great. And I know people that love it and swear by it. But like I can say for myself, it's not something that I was really truly that motivated to do, not because I have anything against it. It just didn't pique my interest. And so it just I don't know. It's hard to force yourself to do something when you don't really have a good reason for doing it other than just peer pressure or feeling like you should do it kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to some of our own like personal questions. And do you want to go first? Sure. Okay, Emma, what is the most interesting health fact that you've learned in your studies? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. It's kind of hard to answer because I've learned so many cool things. But for some reason, I really like this interesting fact about nitric oxide. So when you exercise, your blood is pumping harder through your veins. And as it is going across your blood vessels, nitric oxide is released from that. And then your blood vessels will dilate so they get bigger. And so due to that, your blood pressure goes down and then your blood can get more nutrients and oxygen to all your muscles. Mm. And so I've always... You know, like, it's interesting because you learn that, like, oh, exercise decreases blood pressure. But then it's like, why, though? Like, we want yeah. to... But when mm-hmm. you really know this, the reason why, it's super cool. Yeah. That is really that cool. That is cool. Very interesting. Okay, that was very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good reason to exercise beyond wanting to look a certain way or just knowing mm-hmm. that it's healthy for you. It's cool to know that it's doing something specific in your body. Mm-hmm. For sure. I have a question. So I've heard that people, and I know that I do this myself, often use food as a buffer for negative emotions. And how, and, and I mean, I recognize that in myself when I'm feeling stressed or even just when I'm moving through the day and I'm kind of like Ugh, dreading something, it's like, oh, I need a little sugar or something, you know, to like get me through this. <laughs> so what is a way that you help people break some of those maybe like repetitive cycles with food where they're using it to mask like a negative feeling? Yeah. So I think it's really great that you are aware of it. I think that's the place to start, right? So you notice Maybe you're doing it a little bit and you're like, oh, I'm doing this because of a negative emotion or I'm stressed or bored. You know, we have a lot of different 
emotions and most of us eat when we have those emotions. But yeah, awareness totally is the first place to start is to realize which situations you're in that you're more likely to eat out of emotions rather than hunger. And so identifying those times, for example, if you eat when you're really stressed, we recommend to find something else to do instead. And I know it's hard, but if you come up with a list of things that you know de-stresses you, you can just have that in your head of, since you're already aware, and then you realize you're stressed, you're like, okay, I feel the urge to go eat right now. And then you can replace it with, you know, something else that you enjoy doing that's less stressful. So like reading, going on a walk. And so just kind of replacing the habit with something else that's positive as well. And you know, it takes time. It's not like it's going to come overnight just because emotions are pretty strong. So like finding different ways to cope with those emotions is definitely a way to kind of decrease emotional eating. Awesome. Nice. So what would you say to someone, me, uh, who struggles <laughs> with being consistent about exercise and healthy eating? Because I feel like I go through phases where I feel like I'm being really healthy, I'm exercising a lot, I'm eating good foods, and then I'll go through other phases where I feel like I totally fall off the bandwagon and I don't exercise as much and I eat unhealthy foods. And I don't know if that's necessarily a huge problem, except that I feel like there are more of the unhealthy phases than the healthy phases. So how do you help people become more consistent? Yeah, so that's a great question because I think we all go through this like phases of being healthy and less healthy and I think one thing that you said was super good is that you said it's not always a bad thing right there's a lot of people that we coach who have really difficult life situations or different things that happen in their lives that make it really hard to be consistent with health since exercising and cooking and eating healthy does take some effort so like I guess one thing I wanted to say in the beginning of that is that to just kind of have empathy for yourself in those times that you aren't as healthy as you want to be, right? So if you have like finals coming and all you can really do is like prep a little bit of chicken and rice or even if it's not that, like just understanding that that's not going to totally break your health, you know? Mm -hmm. But then for consistency, I think if you don't have a health coach, like just definitely having someone you're accountable to. And then setting SMART goals. I mentioned it earlier, but do you guys know what those are? Mm -mm. I guess mm -hmm. I thought SMART just meant WISE. <laughs> like, oh. is it an acronym? <laughs> I was yeah, like, I don't oh, yeah, SMART goals. Yeah, I don't remember the what it stands for either. So it is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. And so you kind of just go through that format with a goal and say, for example, a SMART goal would be, I'm going to go exercise 30 minutes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Friday before work and I'm going to run. So like you get very, very specific and you're going to say the time and the day and everything. And I think that helps with consistency because you set a goal that's attainable, right? You're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to run every single day this week if you don't run very much beforehand or 
you know, you set something that is a challenge, but not something that's so out of reach that you kind of give up without even starting, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think, yeah, setting SMART goals and sometimes even variety helps. I've seen myself a lot that I get bored doing a certain activity. I do it for a while and I'm like, "Eh, I'm tired of going to the gym, so I'll start riding my bike or, you know, just kind of finding variety Mm -hmm. and things that, you know, different things that you do enjoy doing that it's not such a drag to do, you know, because I think consistency can come from actually enjoying something that you are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I like that the realistic factor. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like that might be mm-hmm. a key for <laughs> that's where I for fall you, short. Tess. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she always has such. It really is. Hi. Once oh. on my mission, I told my companion I had made this little diagrammed plan, and I was like, "When I get back, I'm going to be a concert pianist, oh. and I'm going to practice." <laughs> four hours a day and I was completely (laughs) serious that I was gonna and she was like no you're not like don't (laughs) like that's not realistic at all and then I fell off the bandwagon so fast I don't even think I made it through one day so and I do that with healthy eating and exercise too I like want to be like this health goddess that's like an influencer but even influencers don't (laughs) live like like they you know claim maybe appear to live Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. that's really helpful you're just gonna like set yourself up for disappointment this is what i've had to learn the hard way too because yeah if you're if you're setting yourself this really strict diet or exercise routine Mm -hmm. when you're starting from like nothing then like i don't know it would go well for like a few days and then just crash and burn it's just not sustainable Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Which is exactly what I do. <laughs> yeah, I've been called on that many times. <laughs> okay, so I have a question, and I hope this isn't wading into like sensitive. I know that talking about food and diets and stuff can be really sensitive for some people. So maybe skip this part if that's a hard thing. But I feel like the term diet culture is totally a buzzword right now. And I love that we're becoming more aware of the negative effects of being really, really obsessed with food. Because like you mentioned, there are people in just hard situations where you don't always have control over what you're eating or maybe being too consumed with it is becomes detrimental. So how can you balance that side of things where you don't want it to become all consuming with the reality of we do want to be aware of what we're putting in our body and certain things, you know, like sugar, for example, we know do have bad effects in large quantities for our physical and emotional health and mental health. So how as a coach do you help people balance being aware without it becoming too all consuming? That's a wonderful question. I can start off kind of with a little personal example. Throughout high school, I got very, very consumed with what I ate and how I looked and it led to kind of an eating disorder. And so I have experience of turning from you know, having it rule every single day of my life to it being a good part of my life. So I think the diet culture thing is kind of crazy right now because sometimes there's commercials that are like, if you click this, you will know the cure to all of your problems. (laughs) And And I'm sitting there like, okay, this is so not good because people, I mean, like, it's enticing, but 
those kind of, I guess, like, secrets that they have are not sustainable. They're not, Mm -hmm. like, even if they're scientifically backed up, they're like, you know, things that work for years and years and years and over and over with so many people is behavior change. And you're not just gonna, Mm -hmm. or, you know, like, they'll say, you need to do this kind of workout or eat this kind of food. And It's actually interesting because I read this article for school and it says that each diet has pros and cons, right? And so like a diabetic obviously wouldn't want to have like a high carb diet, but that doesn't mean that carbs are bad, right? So it's just kind Mm -hmm. of depending on your health goals and what you want and what your body feels good doing. There's not Mm -hmm. a diet that fits everybody. Even my programs kind of stay away from diets itself because they're not about behavior change and then they focus way too much on good or bad or this or that. And it's like, that's not really changing the way you eat or how you feel about food. And so I guess like in respect of making sure you don't become all consumed with trying to be healthy, two things that I think are great are focusing on how you feel rather than how you look because a lot of people, myself included, got caught up in I just want to eat healthy because I want to be the certain size and I want to be the certain weight. But in the end, it was miserable because that's all I was focusing on. But now I eat to fuel my body. I eat to feel good and feel healthy. And that's way more motivating than just being like, oh, I just really need to look a certain way. And once you hit that like goal, even if you do, then it really isn't as rewarding as you think. And so Mm -hmm. I think focusing just how you feel when you're exercising, when you're moving, there's the good hormones, there's the good mental health benefits. And then one last thing for this one is my current certification, the lady said to do an 80-20 rule where 80% of the time you're doing pretty good with your exercise and your eating, but 20% of the time you can have fun, right? Because our bodies (laughs) are not gonna, you know, freak out if like you have cookies or cake or every once in a while, right? So it's like the diet culture is all like, no sugar ever again, no, don't eat anything, this or that. And it's like, well, we're allowed to do that as long as we do have a pretty balanced baseline. And then we can add in those fun things and not feel guilty because, you know, our bodies crave those things. And sometimes you do have to honor those feelings. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's great. That's a really good answer. Well, I feel like the 80-20 rule, because I've heard that before too. And I feel like that one, like you said, there's certain behaviors and things that have worked well for you years and years. And it seems like if there was a quick fix, we would have found it Mm -hmm. by now, right? (laughs) It's kind of just common sense. (laughs) So I feel like that guideline has been around for a long time because it's pretty common sense. And I like that it's not, oh, these are the specific foods you need to avoid or the specific. It's just like, no, it's okay. 20% of the time, whatever kinds of foods that looks like for you to kind of like relax a little bit. Granted, my perception of 80-20 in reality is more like 46-50, but I think I'm doing 80-20. But maybe that's like you said with having it be more of like a feelings Mm -hmm. focus and less of an appearance or like numbers focus. I feel like that's maybe one of the reasons working with someone can be really helpful because they can kind of help you realize when you're veering off track a little bit in like the reasons that you're trying to change and help you identify if it's becoming a little bit of an unhealthy obsession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So this might be kind of a hard question because I have no idea if scientists even know the answer to this question right now, but I just keep seeing things and some of them are kind of like what you were describing where they're like, are you a type two or a type seven hormone? And then they'll be like, we'll tell you and then you'll be perfectly healthy. And it's like, I'm sure that you can't group people's hormones into seven different types. Mm -hmm. But I am wondering if you know, are there certain ways of eating that can help you with hormonal problems? How do you figure out if you have hormone imbalances? Does that make sense? Yeah, it seems like that's very trendy right now. And I don't mean trendy in a negative way, but I have seen a lot of stuff like that lately too. We're like, oh, these hormones influence this. And I know there's truth to it. It's just like a little overwhelming to like even go down that road. (laughs) They used to just be like diet, exercise, sleep. Now it's like, oh, and hormones also factor into it. And it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) totally overwhelming. Like, I don't even know where to start with that. Yeah, it is crazy. And I do think I agree that like, it's kind of gotten more focused recently because there is truth to the endocrine system reacts to what our bodies are experiencing. And so, for example, one that most people know is if you have stress, then you release the hormone cortisol and that increases mm-hmm. your heart rate and your breathing and, you know, like for fight or flight response. And so one another one that's interesting is there's leptin and ghrelin. Oh, I've heard of those. I don't remember yeah, what they do, Yeah, leptin though. is the one that makes you feel full, signals to brain that you're full. Ghrelin is the one saying that, oh, I'm still hungry. And so, for example, one of the things that can affect those levels is low level of sleep. So if you get really poor oh. sleep, ghrelin mm. levels actually increase. And even if you are hitting like the amount of food that you should be eating, you still think that you're hungry because that hormone is still being released. Oh. And so there are things like making sure you get enough sleep and making sure that you handle your stress levels. And I mean, there's a whole thing on like women's health as well with each phase of the cycle and what you should be doing because of the certain hormones that are secreted. That's kind of complicated and a lot, but um, just for one <laughs> one example, out, I guess, out of that is for the follicular phase, that's the first few days after a woman bleeds, you'll have some pretty good energy levels. And so they recommend running, biking, dancing, hiking, jumping rope. And then like later when you actually are menstruating, they recommend doing a lot less intensity because you are more tired and your body is spending so much energy on that. So, I mean, you know, there is like ways to work with your hormones and to make them work correctly, I guess, or in the best way. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. just pretty complicated and there's a lot of different research going on right now with it. But those are just some of the things that I've learned so far. Very interesting. That's really interesting about the sleep because I've noticed that in myself, just like anecdotal evidence. (laughs) I feel like when I wake up, if you have to wake up super early for like an early flight or something, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I could eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Five (laughs) breakfasts. I'm so hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like almost like a stomach ache level of hunger like just Mm -hmm. so hungry yeah Yeah, that's true and I also like the idea of even if you don't fully understand exactly how to like get your hormones in balance or whatever the trendy (laughs) uh word for it is I like the idea of just working with your hormones, like not trying to pressure yourself Mm -hmm. when you're feeling really tired because of a natural like bodily process. You don't Mm -hmm. need to pressure yourself to go out and run. You can work with your hormones. 
I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read this yet because I've been studying so much, but I don't know if you guys, if you have like the Flow app with tracking your period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard so of it. So the lady who created that app actually wrote a couple books and one of them is actually just called In the Flow. It's by Alyssa Vitti. And so basically she goes through each section of the cycle and what hormones are going up, which hormones are going down, and then just kind of ways to work with those hormones, like Tess said, and making sure that you're not forcing yourself to overexercise when you don't have that kind of energy. And also making sure that you get the right nutrients during those time periods to help yourself feel good. So I definitely recommend. Cool. I love that. Yeah. I'm That's awesome. That. Okay. Speaking of period tracking apps my mtc companion like she had one before our mission and then when we were in the mtc she had a phone because she was going to a u.s mission so she got an actual (laughs) smartphone uh and she noticed like there's only certain apps that you can download and most of them are produced by the church so she noticed that there was no period tracking app and she was like well that's an oversight so she (laughs) took it all the way to the top she scheduled a meeting with one of the relief society presidency members that is like over the whole mtc and she was so nice she took us into our office and then my companion was telling her about that and she had a whole list of other (laughs) other (laughs) suggestions too she was very like on top of things like i'm gonna get this done but she told her about the app idea and the lady was like she's like oh my gosh i never thought about that i didn't know those existed because i mean it's kind of a newer thing so she's Mm -hmm. writing it down and she's like what are some names and so we gave her like flow and i can't remember some of the other ones but so she took it she's like i'm gonna take this right to our board meeting or whatever they call it with the mtc presidency and the release society presidency and like the other people working with them and then like a month or two later i got an email from my companion and she was like look what popped up and they had like a little period tracking app the, the church had produced for little sister missionaries and i thought <laughs> oh, it was I so cute that. <laughs> that's so awesome <laughs> i know i was very proud i of know her. seriously <laughs> love that so kind of in the vein of hormone imbalances or whatever i think when we think of health and maybe this is a byproduct of diet culture, but we typically think of what we're eating and exercise. And I mean, those are super important, but is there an aspect that you feel like you've noticed people often overlook when it comes to their overall health or like a missing piece that a lot of people aren't giving enough attention to? Yeah. So I think it's interesting because in our classes, we learned that wellness is not just about, it's like so many different things. It's like focusing on your social, your spiritual, your physical, your emotional, your mental. Like there's many different types of wellness. And so I think sometimes people, like you said, they just focus on exercise and nutrition, but sometimes don't set goals for their social wellness, right? So Mm. for example, if people during the pandemic, it's been super hard to, you know, hang out with people or meet up in groups or go to a concert or anything like that. So our social wellness has been kind of hurting during this time period. So I think making Mm -hmm. sure that it is kind of overwhelming though to think about all of the sections, but at the same time, just making very small, tiny goals for yourself of like working on, for example, right now I try to go on walks. I'm not good at doing them every day, but I have a desk job. So it's kind of hard for me to get steps in or move around. 
So I've been going on walks and then trying to set, you know, time to hang out with friends and making sure that just kind of that your overall wellness is doing good, you know, where it's not just focused on Mm -hmm. one specific topic the whole time. Like you want to explore different areas because if one area is super lacking and you're super good in nutrition and exercise and sleep, then you might still not have the greatest quality of life because you still like you might be neglecting social or emotional or spiritual wellness. So yeah, I think it's just interesting that sometimes we overlook that that wellness incorporates a lot more than just physical health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I never thought about social health. Yeah. that's Yeah, social health or emotional. I mean, like you said, during the pandemic, I feel like that's really highlighted. Highlight? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fast and highlight. No. Highlighted, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I mean, that was probably the time period of my life that I was going on the most walks I've ever <laughs> walked. Like, that was all there was to do, you know? And I think just from spending so much time online during that time period, maybe like my emotional health was not the best. And not that I'm not blaming myself for that. That was just like a really hard time period. But that's definitely, I think, shed some light on the fact that you can work out every day and, you know, be cooking beautiful meals, but still maybe not be in the best frame of mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Emma, what is the main message you hope people will take away from this episode? It's hard to put it into like a concise thing and I can talk (laughs) about this for hours. But I really think that the main message is just to kind of instill hope that you can work on your health. It seems really daunting and scary sometimes. And it's just a journey, right? It's just like anything else in life. You put effort into it. You make goals. You have setbacks and slip-ups. And it's just kind of a process. And so I just think making sure that people know that it's doable. And if you have those goals that you want really bad to achieve and you feel overwhelmed, then, you know, break it down. Do smaller short-term goals to get there. And also that taking care of yourself... I've been thinking, like, if we don't have health, then what do we really have, right? So if you're completely sick from um, later in life, it's if someone's really sick from not exercising or eating well, then they're not going to be able to do everything that they want to, you know. So I just think taking care of our health now is super important because we're trying to stop things like chronic disease from happening by preventative measures of lifestyle practices so that later, you know, we can still be healthy and doing the things that we want. Also, it's overwhelming to feel like you need to know everything, but you really only need to know just pretty good basic stuff. And then with like a health coach or nutritionist, like there's people out there who can help you And it's not worth kind of just doing it on your own if you're struggling. So I definitely say reach out to people to help as well. I love that. Awesome. That's really good advice. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming on. And especially when you're preparing for your board exam. And I know that you're super busy. So we really appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Where can people find you? Like if they would like to learn more from you or work with you? Yeah, I am so, so happy I'm on this podcast. It was really fun. I always listen to you guys like every single time (laughs) on Thursday morning. I'm like, is it up? And I like (laughs) click on it and watch and listen to it. So that makes me so happy. If we can't count on our family members to listen, 
I don't know. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Yeah, of course. And then, so I don't currently work for anyone yet. I'm just getting certified and then hopefully getting hired soon. But my Instagram is happy underscore health 314. So 314. Perfect. Awesome. We'll tag you on Instagram too so people can find you a little bit easier. Yeah. Sweet. Shall we do weekly wins? Yeah, we shall. (laughs) Okay. So I have one I'm super excited about this week. So I have talked about Brooke Romney on here before. I really loved her book, I Like Me Anyway, and I love her Instagram. Her handle's Brooke Romney Writes. I just love her insights. And she just came out with a new book. It's called 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens. And it's so awesome. So I think sometimes when we are teaching our kids, you know, we say like, be kind, be a good friend, be respectful, make sure you're including everyone. But we don't always give them really clear cut examples of like what that looks like in terms of actual behaviors. And that's what I love about this book. So she has a different tip on each page and it's like a flip book style. And she goes through more classic type manners like phone manners and how to act in a restaurant. But she has so many tips in here that are really just like interpersonal skills and relationship skills for kids. Some of them maybe would be common sense, but I think some of them are things that even adults, myself very much included, could use a reminder. Um, So like, for example, she has don't whisper when you're in a group, don't have a side conversation with a friend Mm. whispering, which I'm like, oh, that's like (laughs) such a... Thing that you, you see totally kids see and even adults do, do, but that. like maybe they don't realize Teenager, it's rude. Yeah, they're not you thinking know, about the whether or not. It's so rude. Yeah, they're just not thinking. It's yeah, just and they, they don't, don't know realize. that they're just yeah. not thinking. Exactly. Another one I love is treat your friends' younger siblings with kindness and make sure that your subject matter and language are appropriate for like everyone that can overhear you, which I think is another really important thing to keep in mind. Make sure when someone texts you an invitation that if you can't make it, you decline kindly instead of just not responding, Mm -hmm. which I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. even adults do that. You know, like I've even done that. That's something that like our generation may not really have fully experienced as kids. I don't remember getting a ton of text invitations. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, how would I think to teach my own kids that? So that's kind of nice that she has. Exactly. Yeah, she has a lot of things in here that are technology specific and behavior on social media and through texting and stuff. And yeah, you're exactly right. Like things have changed so much from the time that we were kids. So my girls are, you know, not teenagers yet, thankfully, because I'm not prepared for that quite yet. But this is something that would be great to just have like on a coffee table or a side table. And even some of these could apply to my kids now, but I'm excited to have out as a conversation starter as they get older. And hopefully, remember how mom would try to teach us manners and we'd always say, I know, you don't have to tell me. I already know. I don't, like she'd say, you know, be sure you tell so-and-so's mom, Mm -hmm. thank you for the ride. And I'd be like, I know, mom. I know to say thank you. You don't have to tell me. Because you're like, how dare you assume that I would not think of that myself? Like... (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's pretty safe to assume that kids are going to forget their manners if you don't remind them. So. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So sometimes having a book do it is a little less luxury than having your yeah. mom do that it. That sounds so like such a good resource. The book is on Amazon. I would like to read through it and just see how rude I am. <laughs> see what I can improve on. I know. Exactly. I was nervous to talk about this on here because I was like, oh, no, people will listen and be like, Claire could really use a man's book. <laughs> and I fully recognize that I could. So that's why I'm excited to have it. <laughs> Okay, well, my weekly win is that dad is visiting me right now, and (laughs) he came to help us. We're finishing half of our basement, and he's just been a workhorse. He just wakes up early, and I hear, like, sawing and, like, drilling and stuff, and, like, I'm not even out of bed yet, and, like, the basement is almost done. Like, they have all the drywall up, and it's amazing how much he has done, and something I love about having dad here is that things just magically happen. He's just constantly, mm-hmm. I don't know, he went to the store and got milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's yeah, a doer, that's for sure. Clean, yeah, the dishes magically. are always clean. Put you don't away. even notice mm-hmm. him doing it. And yeah, somehow you just wake up happen. and the dishes are clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I woke up the other morning and like I was making toast and you know when your toast pops up and you realize like there's no butter out like I'm gonna have to spread cold fridge Mm -hmm. butter on my toast and it's not gonna be good and I open the butter dish and there's a whole stick of butter in there. Oh my gosh. He's cleaned. (laughs) He does it all and he even helped us. We got a sectional for our basement um because we'll need somewhere too oh whoa wait <laughs> and does that mean you have like yeah, five I mean, couches I have so many couches, couches that I intended to sell okay <laughs> we have a, an appropriate amount of couches um but I've been scouring Facebook marketplace for a sectional for really cheap and I finally found one today and it was a miracle because I never would have been able to help Matt take it it was on a third floor apartment which I did not know oh (laughs) and Matt and dad had to carry it down and it was just a whole thing and it would not I mean maybe I could have done it but it probably would have ended my relationship with Matt and Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it would have been bad it would have been a pivot Uh pivot situation like in friends (laughs) yeah I was lucky dad was here and yeah just it was a good good time. That's so fun. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited that Grace is moving here. I've made that very clear, but I will say I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to share mom and dad Mm -hmm. when they come to visit because mom's been helping Grace with so much stuff. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) what about me? I know. Now mom and dad have to come visit me just me they have to just yeah Mm -hmm. it's very exciting i know are you gonna like that though tess because that's gonna be like flashbacks to when you were the only one at home and you did not like having all of the attention on yourself most of the time i did like having all the attention just whenever like whenever i was forgetting to text mom that i was out late (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that's when i didn't like having yeah whenever you had something to get away with so my weekly win guys have you seen crash landing on you I know this isn't new. What? No. Is it Korean? I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it's Korean and it is... I haven't seen it. I'm not kidding when I say it's the best show I've ever seen in my life. And no. I know that other people who watch what? it What? Not... You just said that about Virgin River. No, I did not. Did I really say that? Well, I hadn't seen Crash Landing on You yet. No, but you just said it was yeah, like, so good. Yeah, Virgin River is so good, but yeah, it's definitely so... not. I would not rank it in like 
top shows of my life. Crash Landing on You is a story of North Korean, South Korean, like Romeo and Juliet <gasps> love, except it ends. No, that's it too ends, sad. It, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say how it ends. It doesn't end with death. I mm-hmm. will say that. <laughs> so it's not fully <laughs> Romeo say, and Juliet. Except if you say it's like Romeo and Juliet, except I'm not going to spoil, I would have to assume it ends maybe better. <laughs> yeah. Romeo and Juliet has the most iconically sad ending of anything yeah. ever. <laughs> The thing is, every episode is like an hour and a half. There's 16 episodes. So it's like watching a movie. And I Ooh. I watched at least one a day for the last couple weeks or like week and a half because I sometimes I would watch two episodes and then that was like three hours of my day completely gone because you have to you can't do anything while you're watching it because you have to watch the subtitles so it's very like it's consuming oh, that's true but it's so worth it it's Oh my gosh, it was so good. I, I was I crying heard, nervous through every episode. Like every single oh. episode made me cry, oh, but no. not in a way I didn't feel like it was just purposely trying to tug at my heartstrings. It was just there mm-hmm. were so many little sweet moments of human kindness and tender oh no no, i can't do it and people sacrificing themselves for other people and Mm. just so many just it's so life affirming i don't think i can handle that emotionally you can't but you can no one can but everyone (laughs) should it's so good i can't make everyone enough to watch the show i got a recommendation from no one can but everyone (laughs) i got a recommendation for this show from my 60 something year old friend kevin who's my like writing friend he's in my writing group my little like novel writing critique group and kevin is a genius and he said it was one of the best shows he's ever seen so i was like i have to watch it but i didn't have high expectations and i will say that the first couple of episodes are not anything compared to the rest of the series so you have to keep watching but Hmm. it's just i'll end it there (laughs) it's just so good my interest is peaked my interest is peaked that's all i feel like we need to (laughs) i am circle back i would like but we can save that for another time (laughs) Kevin is great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can get Kevin on to do reviews because if he recommended it and it's the best thing you've ever watched, then I would I bet like Kevin to get would have great things to reviews. say, and I bet he would come on if we asked him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I think that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our show and visit our website hopculturepod.com. We'll also be popping up on Instagram throughout the week, so follow Hop Culture Pod for more fun. See you next week. 